0: Hey, what's up everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the
1: For the Culture
0: Podcast.
1: This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man Jason Spears. When it rains, it pours. Tough loss yesterday. Devastating, brutal loss yesterday for the Colts. And it's one that we should not get over in 24 hours, although the players and the coaches, they need to and they need to get... act together for week two against the minnesota vikings but there's nothing wrong with sulking as fans but to make matters worse on top of the loss we lose marlon mack now for the duration of the 2020 season with a torn achilles tendon a devastating injury for marlon mack you're talking about a year plus going into a contract year or playing right now on the last year of that rookie deal and then going into next year, this was his opportunity to get paid this upcoming year. Obviously wasn't extended this offseason. Never complained. Never threatened to hold out. Was never upset about the Colts drafting a running back in the second round. And now with Matt going down, it makes that second round pick of Jonathan Taylor look that much better for the Colts if you want to find a glimmer of hope in all of this. But just very, very upsetting to see in the first game of the year, Marlon Mack go down and now you hope he could get back on the field for the Colts or whoever he plays for next season. You hope he could get back on the field by September, but this could be a 12- to 14-month injury, and then you have to wonder for Marlon Mack, will he ever be able to secure that bag and get the amount of money he would have been due after this year if he were to stay healthy for 14-plus games this year, coming off 1,000 yards last year? I thought he was primed for another 1,000-plus this year, even with the splitting of carries with Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, who touched the ball a lot yesterday as well, and the passing attack now that the Colts have obviously added to their offense with Phillip Rivers. So devastating injury for Marlon Mack. My heart goes out to him. I wish him a speedy recovery. He's a great player. He is so patient. He's so underrated. He knows how to hit the hole. He never, ever, ever fumbles the football. Hasn't fumbled since 2018, and even in that year, I think he only fumbled once or twice. So never puts the ball on the turf, does everything the coaches ask him to do, never complains, has never threatened to hold out for money. The ultimate team guy. It sucks to see him go down, especially just one week into the season.
0: Awful news, man. Just awful and uh my heart goes out to him he's a great kid i've loved him since he was at south florida i was so ecstatic when the colts drafted him back in 2017 and uh man my heart breaks for the kid he's everything you want in a football player and a teammate uh he's a ultimate colt type player uh never complained like you mentioned and and when we got taylor he was just as excited as everybody else was and just based on everything we heard about preseason, he was just he was absolutely tearing it up. And then he gets into the game, you know, the first game and he's, he's running the hell out of the ball. And then, you know, it just, it all just comes to an end and it's, uh it's tough, man. It's a heartbreaking part of the business. It's a heartbreaking part of the game, but it's a part of the game. And, and, you know, the thing of it is you just have to wish him the best and, and kind of move on to the guys that we do have. But, I do want to say I think Marlon Mack is one of the most underrated and underappreciated Colts that's ever played in Indianapolis. I don't think the fans and or media respect what he's done enough. He is a difference maker when he's in the game. Our offense is completely different when he's in the game. And we're going to see how much he means to this roster when we don't have him. So terrible loss, I feel for him more than anything else because he's the type of kid that, that really deserves to get paid and I I'm you know hopefully he still does but uh this injury is not an easy one to overcome especially for an explosive position like running back and so it's an uphill climb for him but uh hopefully God willing he can come back get healthy and uh and get paid because if anybody deserves it it
1: it's this kid yep and it really really stings to see him go down just one week into the season Luckily for the Colts, we do draft a running back in the second round in Jonathan Taylor, and also luckily for the Colts with the addition of Jonathan Taylor, this is the most, or you could argue second most, talented position on this roster. The depth of the running back core we knew would be tested at some point this season. Unfortunately, it's tested now. After one week, we would have liked to have seen it last for five, eight, 10-12 weeks unfortunately just one week Marlon Mack already done for the year but you have Naheem Hines you have Jonathan Taylor and you have a running back averaging 5.8 yards per carry after 111 career carries Somebody, please God, give Jordan Wilkins the football against the Minnesota Vikings. You carry four running backs, you dress four running backs, Marlon Mack goes down, and you abandon the run. Didn't make any sense. We harped on it yesterday, but now there's a golden opportunity to get Jordan Wilkins' carries next week and moving forward. Why doesn't Reich give Wilkins the ball? We don't know the answer to that question, and that question has yet to be asked. Because the media yesterday, they never asked Frank Reich about Jordan Wilkins. He never came up in the presser. And now I wonder going into next week. Because if you're not going to give Jordan Wilkins carries, you might as well go sign Jonathan Williams off the Lions practice squad and split carries with Williams and Taylor. Because Naheem Hines is not a back who could take a Marlon Mack level workload in the backfield. It's just not possible. So you have to figure this out now moving forward if you're Frank Reich. You could sulk about Marlon Mack. Or you could go out and be proactive, and I think they need to be proactive by giving Jordan Wilkins the football.
0: 100% agree, man. I, I don't understand why Jordan Wilkins is collecting dust on the bench. He's got as good a vision as any of the backs that they have now. He's obviously not as good as Mac, but he has great vision. He can find small, you know, small spots, and and for a big guy, can get through the hole. Sadly, I, I think we're going to see a lot of of Taylor and Hines, as opposed to Taylor and Wilkins. I think Taylor and Wilkins is the combination that would wear teams out because they're both big. They're both physical. They both have great vision, but for some reason, Frank Reich is stubborn to a fault. When it comes to Naheem Hines, he wants him out there all the time and he's just not a guy that you can give the ball to 15 times a game, unless you want him to get injured. Um, And I don't think he does want him to get injured, but I mean, he's just not that guy. He's the guy you can give the ball to, you know, you give him five carries a game or something, but the the real workhorses in this offense should be the way we play. Taylor going forward should be Taylor and Wilkins, and we should be a power running team. We didn't run any outside, you know, anything outside yesterday. Everything was between the tackles. I just don't understand what the game plan was yesterday. And they have got to get this figured out going forward because the offense cannot, it, it just can't be every time we need a yard, we run behind Quentin Nelson because teams are figuring that out and they're going to overload that side of the ball and the Colts have to figure out how to adjust. And so I think the adjustment that needs to be made is more carries for Wilkins and less carries for, for Hines, more carry, and, and obviously you, you're going to give Taylor more carries as well. I think that's the adjustment that needs to be made. Will it be made? That remains to be seen.
1: Yep, and when you look at yesterday's game, we talked about that Naheem Hines inside the 5-yard line, handing him the ball. It was a 1-yard deal, so you'd rather go with the big back. Mac wasn't hurt at that point, so you could go with Mac. You could go with Taylor. You could go with Wilkins. You could put Persett in the game and go with the QB keeper for that 1-yard. But looking at that play this morning, If you freeze it, Naheem Hines has a gaping hole to the right side in between Glowinski and Smith with, I think it was Doyle pulling. If he's patient and cuts to the right, he has a walk-in touchdown. Marla Mack walks in. You go up 14-zip, the game's over. The game is over at 14-zip, and that was still the play that just keeps replaying in my mind, and I didn't love the call, but... When you go back and watch it, it's really more so about the personnel. Because if you put any of the other three running backs in there, I think they score. Absolutely, I, I
0: said that last night. I thought, literally, any of the other running backs in that in on that play score because they're they're termed running backs and they run the ball. Like Naheem Hines is termed a running back, but he's more of a a flex guy. So he's it's it's not really. His feel for running the ball isn't as good as the three other guys that we have, and so I, I think any of those guys score. I definitely think they all get the first down, and the one guy we that you know that probably wouldn't get it was the one we had in the game. And again, my biggest issue yesterday with a lot of what went on was the personnel groupings and the I, I, the resignation to not running. I felt like the game was called like we were down by ten the entire game. I, I didn't, I didn't understand it then. I don't understand it now. Twenty four hours later, but uh, they they've got to get it fixed. Um, they've got to come up with an an acceptable game plan this week that involves the two guys that I think give us the best chance to establish the run, and that's Wilkins and Taylor, because when Hines is in the game, it's just it, the threat is so minimal that it's almost like tying one hand behind your back. So I hope Reich realizes this, but I fear that he's going to try to use Taylor and Hines as opposed to using Wilkins, because for some reason, come hell or high water, the last two years, they just have not played Wilkins. So we'll see what happens. But, man, I- I'm so tired of them not using the talent that they have to the to, and using the, the the talent to fit what they do. I mean – Wilkins is is a perfect complement in my opinion to Taylor. I, I mean it's like a one-two punch and you know not having Max sucks but we still have the depth to win. It's not like we it's there's a you know a monumental drop off. We have talented backs so they got to get this figured out and, and you know they're not going to beat Minnesota throwing the ball 45 times. So they've got to figure this out, figure out what they want to do and then they and they need to adapt and go with that and and, uh, be able to adjust in-game to what's going on. I thought Reich struggled with that yesterday and has kind of struggled with it throughout his coaching career, adjusting in-game to what teams are doing against their offense. And I thought that was a big reason we lost the game yesterday because he just never did commit to running the ball, and that's, to me, the reason why
1: we lost the game. Yep. And if you think back to last year, We were able to run the ball with Jonathan Williams for over 200 yards in back-to-back games against the Jaguars and against the Texans on a short week. In five days, our fourth-string running back, who we signed off the practice squad, ran for 100 yards in back-to-back games with the same offensive line and with a quarterback who did not pose the same threat to a secondary. So we are actually less predictable this year in what we're going to do offensively. And in the second half yesterday, with a running back who we took in the second round and I don't want to hear the excuse that oh maybe he's not ready for the workload he better damn well be ready when you're going up against a rookie undrafted free agent who seemed ready for the Jaguars and Edwards Hilaire who was taking over Taylor at the end of the first round 32nd overall seemed ready in that game on Thursday night for the Chiefs so if they could be ready I think Taylor should be ready after the career he had at Wisconsin and I don't doubt that he's ready I don't doubt that he won't be ready next week but the point is last year if you could pick up a guy off the practice squad just pick him up off the street and Jonathan Williams and he could rush for 200 yards then with the same personnel you should be able to do it this year with what must be an upgrade in Jonathan Taylor but Reich just seemed to abandon the run game yesterday in the second half, it did not make any sense whatsoever because with this personnel that we know is able to wear a defense down, we never committed to it. And we were playing with a lead. It's one thing if you're down three touchdowns, four touchdowns. When you're playing with a lead the entire game up until the last two possessions, and even the last two possessions, you're down four with five minutes left, and you're down seven with over two minutes left. You could even run the ball then. And we've seen Reich do that in the past. But it's almost like Going from Jacoby, where you are primarily a running team, to Rivers, he felt like, okay, we have to abandon that and we have to primarily become a passing team. You don't have to coach like it's 2014 and you have luck and nothing else. With Phillip Rivers, it's great that he gives you another option that Bursette didn't in terms of opening up the field and throwing the football and spreading it out, but I don't understand why it has to be all or nothing. Why does it have to be all run with Jacoby or all pass with Philip Rivers? With Phillip Rivers, if you kept, 50 percent of what you were running with Jacoby in terms of the run game and you kept it balanced like we did the first two drives the first two drives should have been 14 points if you keep that going all day you score 30 plus 40 plus points if you score 40 plus points or 30 plus points in this game then the Eberflus defense isn't even that big of a deal we guess we needed to be better no doubt we needed to be better but they scored 27 points we easily should have scored 30 plus in this game easily if we're balanced and we play the way we did the first two possessions. Abandoning the run because Mac went down in this game didn't make any sense. We played like a team that was scared, and we played like a team that was trailing the entire game. when well, we never trailed until the last five minutes.
0: 100%, man. Uh, you totally agree with everything you said. And and listen, th- the issue I had yesterday, along with the f- fact that we stopped running the ball, was when we ran the ball, they were basically all the same runs. They were all to Quentin Nelson's side. We didn't run anything outside. We didn't pull the guards at all and run wide. We didn't do – I mean, they were very vanilla running plays, and that cannot be what we do. We have to mix the run. You have to run to to both sides, the middle, wide. You have to mix it up, man. Our, our I felt like our our game plan on both sides of the ball really was vanilla as hell. The run – the the dive plays in the middle of the line – Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of motion. There wasn't a lot of different kind of things you can use to kind of confuse a defense. It was just really vanilla play calling and that has to change. Like you've got to be able to run wide. You've got to be able to run right, left, both sides. You know, you've got to be able to mix it up. It can't just be running to Quentin Nelson every single time because, Teams are going to game plan that. They're going to put an extra guy over there. So you've got to run away from Quentin Nelson certain plays. You've got to pull guys and run, you know, sweeps and do other things other than that that quick dive up the middle. That cannot be the end-all be-all of our running game because it's not going to work. Teams are going to stop that. We saw it yesterday. We did not when we did run run after mac was injured we didn't have a lot of success because there weren't a, there wasn't a very good mixture of running plays it was basically the same couple of of runs and 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 just repetition so it's not only running the ball but it's mixing up the type and style of runs that we're having you can't run between the tackles every single you know every single play you've got to get some outside You've got to mix it up. You you just got to keep a team guessing. I felt like yesterday we just handcuffed ourselves by running the same runs when we ran. We didn't run enough. We didn't mix up the runs. And then when we stopped running, we were one dimensional. And you're going to have a hard time beating anyone. Um, and when you're doing that, and that's I mean we we did that to ourselves. We allowed Jacksonville to stay in the game. They made winning plays. We didn't, and so they won, and they deserved it. There's no excuses. Jacksonville, I saw a lot of people saying, well, you're not giving Jacksonville credit. No, we are giving Jacksonville credit. Minshew played like a winning player. He didn't turn the ball over. He was 19-20. They made no mistakes, no major penalties uh, late in the game. They came up big. We came up short, and they were the better team yesterday. Do I think they have the better team? No, but they were the better team yesterday.
1: No question about it. And yes, we have to give Jacksonville credit. They went out, they played 60 minutes, they outcoached us, they outplayed us. We said that multiple times in the recap yesterday. They outcoached us, they outplayed us. You can't deny either one of those two statements. But I like what you just said about, we handcuffed ourselves, specifically Frank Reich, because when you go back to last year, I definitely found myself, and I think Jason, you did it as well, and a lot of us, we made excuses or we had logical reasoning behind decisions made by Frank Reich. And it was because we had a quarterback who forced Reich to tie his hands behind his back. Because we were not able to throw, we had to rely heavily on the run game. Now that you have a quarterback, you could be balanced. And When you talk about game plans, Reich's game plan, how he came into the game, was actually really good yesterday. It was balanced. It was run, pass, run, pass. It was balanced. We kept them on their toes. They were off balance. We were on balance. We go right down. We score in the first three minutes. We get the ball back. We drive. We get inside the five-yard line. If we punch that in, it's 14-0. It's probably a different game. But we came out with a good, balanced attack offensively. Defensively, the game plan was awful. The game plan started awful. It stayed awful. It finished awful. The game plan defensively was awful for 60 minutes minus a couple of third down sacks. But we didn't get creative. We didn't change anything around. It was just awful. Offensively, it started good. Mac went down. Jacksonville changed some things, and we didn't adjust. So offensively, Reich didn't adjust, and he tied his hands behind his back, by relying too heavily on Phillip Rivers, by having Phillip Rivers throw 46 passes in a game where we led for a majority of it. We were led or tied for a majority of that game. And you have Rivers throwing 46 passes like you're trailing by three touchdowns. So I liked the way Wright came into the game. Last year, he coached like a coach who had his hands tied behind his back, but I thought he did. Because with a quarterback like, Jacoby Brissett, your hands are kind of tied behind your back. Now, there's no excuse because you could throw the ball, you could run the ball. There's no reason to abandon either one of those two unless it's a blowout in either direction. If you're getting blown out, to throw the ball. If you're blowing a team out, to run the ball and just try to run out the clock. But yesterday, I liked the way we came into the game, and there were no adjustments made, offensively or defensively. Defensively, it was just all bad, so there's nothing positive to say other than I guess that the defense would have been okay if the offense scored 40 plus points, but the offense didn't score 40 plus points. The offense came into the game. They looked good. And then as the game went on, they just got worse and worse and worse. They got stale. They got stagnant. They got predictable. They got one dimensional and they didn't adjust.
0: You said it all, man. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. You're not going to win a lot of games in this league being one dimensional and and predictable. And I felt like, after Mac went down, that's exactly what we were. And that's that's a recipe for a disaster, and that's what we got. We got a disaster. So the only thing I can say is I really hope they look each other you know, the coaches look in the mirror and, and figure it out and, and understand that listen, we have depth at the running back position. Let's use it. Let's get back to what we do, which is power football, mixing in some play action with Rivers, using the backside of the backfield and intermediate passing. Getting the ball in space to Hines, Campbell, Hilton, all these guys. That's what we should be doing. We did not do that in this game after the first two drives, and uh, it's disappointing, disheartening. But like Luke said yesterday, there's 15 more games, and I hope the coaching staff takes a good hard look in the mirror and realizes, okay, we screwed that up. Let's get this right. Let's let's fix it. Let's let's get let's open the offense up. Let's be committed to running the ball and be who we are. And let's go out and get a win, man. I mean, that's what we have to do to get this win against Minnesota. We can't go out and win throwing the ball 46 times and running it 23 or whatever it was. That's terrible. That's, that ratio is not going to work. We have to be about 50-50, and I think we'll be, we'll be in good shape. But yesterday was just not good enough on any level from anyone Top to bottom, and uh, I expect to see the Colts play a much better game coming Sunday.
1: I do too, and when you look at this defense, a lot of people are saying the cover two doesn't work, this Tampa two defense, it doesn't work. It's not that the defense doesn't work. It's that yesterday we were so bland. We were so incredibly bland defensively. You go into a game, we've seen this defense work. We won a Super Bowl with this defense. This defense can work. But I was talking to Jason off air last night, and I said, it's like anything. If you buy steak and you don't season, like steak is good, right? This defense is good. But if you just take a piece of steak, you throw it on the grill, and you don't season it, and you don't have mashed potatoes, and you don't have gravy, and you don't have green beans or broccoli or anything else, no side, that you just have a bland piece of meat and you boil it, it's not going to taste good. And that's what we saw yesterday defensively. It's not the basic scheme. It's the fact that it was too basic. It was just the basic scheme. The basic scheme will work, but not alone. You need to spice it up, and yesterday there was no spice, and that was the main issue defensively, so it was just the same thing, and it turned into a seven-on-seven defensively for Gardner Minshew, and we've seen this before. This is not the first time. We saw it last year against Drew Brees. But people say, oh, you know, it's Drew Brees It happens because it's Drew Brees. But now, you know, it's not just Drew Brees. It's also Gardner Minshew. And Gardner Minshew chewed us up in Week 17 last year. And you could go through the games. We've had some stellar defensive performances. But we've also had some really stagnant defensive performances like yesterday. And it has to get cleaned up. You have to be more creative, which we know Eberflus is capable of doing because he's been creative in the past. And, yes, players need to make plays. We said this yesterday. Players have to make plays. As bad as the game plan was defensively, even without a game plan, which it didn't even seem like they had defensively yesterday, it was almost like they just threw 11 guys out there and told them to just run around because it really didn't seem like we had much of a game plan at all defensively. But even without a game plan defensively, when you have an all-pro in DeForest Buckner and an all-pro in Darius Leonard and an all-pro caliber player in Kenny Moore and Walker and Hooker and all the names we have on this defense guys have to step up and make plays even in the most basic setting they have to make plays so the players are responsible but the reason I put more on the coaches is because I know we have the players so if they were put in better positions they would have made plays so it was a combination of players not making plays but not being put in the best position to make the plays so both are at fault it's just the differences. I know if put in better positions, they would have made plays. So that's why I give the players the benefit of the doubt. But both sides are at fault. The coaches are at fault. The players are at fault. Pretty much everybody after this game is at fault. Missing kicks, picking up dumb penalties, flexing in a guy's face after you pick up a first down. Paris Campbell, who had a really good game. Paris Campbell would have definitely been a bright spot after this game, but you have a boneheaded penalty on the sideline. Why are you flexing? Why are you flexing? There's no reason to flex. That's a Pagano team move. That's Josh McNary flexing after he concusses his own player in the end zone. Why are you flexing in a one-score game against the 32nd team in the power rankings coming into the year? doesn't make any sense, and that is a loser mentality. That's Russell Westbrook losing game five by 30 points and fighting with Rajon Rondo's brother in the crowd. There's no need for that. If you're losing, you're losing. If and at the time we were winning, but you're in a close game with an opponent, you should be blowing out, and you should feel. Even though like Paris Campbell, I think he's only in the eighth game of his career, and at this point he doesn't know winning football because he wasn't on the team in 2018 when we went to the playoffs. But you come from Ohio State, you come from a winning program, act like you've been there before, and that flex. And there was just so many little things: missing a 30-yard field goal, getting stuffed on a fourth and one inside the five-yard line. Just so many loser plays by a team who is in the third year of this head coach and has a ton of talent all over the field. they got to be better than this. And luckily, we have 15 games to figure it out.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to add one thing. Going back to the defense, one thing that drives me crazy about Eber and and I, again, we all know I'm a big fan of his, but one thing that, that I don't get with him is there's certain games where we're impressed the entire game and physical with receivers at the line and rerouting receivers and, and, and you know, not allowing them to get into the routes you know, or, or not giving them free releases, and, and we play much better. Our defense is so much better. Yesterday, we played off coverage, it seemed like, the entire game, and I have no idea why. Our outside corners are big, long, physical players. So and they're at their best when they can get their hands on receivers. Uh Rhodes, you know, he struggled yesterday, but he's not good in off coverage. He's so much better in press coverage. And so is Rock. And I felt like those guys were off all game and I just don't understand why you would ever play off coverage. I don't I've never understood it. I still don't understand it, especially when you're you you have those type of players out there that are physical enough to reroute receivers at the line of scrimmage and screw up their timing i didn't understand that yesterday and when you're when you're not doing that and you're giving guys free releases it turns into a 7 on 7 drill because then it's basically it's a, it's a race against the clock. Can your guys get to Minshew before they find an open soft spot in the zone? And yesterday, no. The answer was no. Yes, we had sacks, but the pressure wasn't consistent. And when there's, when there's no pressure or inconsistent pressure and you're playing off coverage, guys are going to be running wide through that zone. We weren't, we weren't disguising coverages. We weren't bringing blitzes. It was just vanilla garbage defense all game with off coverage that turned into seven on seven. There's no excuse for any quarterback Gardner Minshew drew Brees, Anyone to be 19 of 20.
1: No. What is
0: that?
1: 95%? Maybe even higher than that. Jason, probably 95% actually. I think exactly 95%. But Jason, I saw a stat. All 20 of Gardner Minshew's passes were released in 3.5 seconds or less, you never adjusted to that. Yeah, and I, I
0: don't, I just don't get it. I, I, that's the one thing with with Coach Floos that I don't understand because it, it just, it, it's the defense it, when it's at its best is aggressive, aggressive everywhere, aggressive on the line, aggressive linebackers, aggressive press coverage, just allows people to play faster. I don't think this defense, and I, and it's been proven out, is any good when they're playing passive it's not a you can't play this defense passively if in my opinion if you're going to get beat playing defense any defense any scheme you should get beat playing aggressive that's because aggressive is what wins aggressive is what gets you turnovers that's what gets you big plays splash plays we played far too passive far too soft yesterday and it showed itself in the lack of splash plays there were no fumbles there were no interceptions there were we weren't even close to an interception or a fumble um, so i really hope that coach flues goes back and looks at the, you know looks at the tape and says okay this is what we have to do we have to play you know in receiver's faces and let these guys play what what they're you know they're what the, what they're what they're good at i mean both of our corners outside are physical guys and are good at pressing off the line of scrimmage When you do that, it allows that extra split second for our D-line also to get to the quarterback and our linebackers to have more time to cover the spaces that they're supposed to cover. So I just think it makes sense that we just have to step it up and play press, mix up the defense, disguise coverages, bring some more blitzes, do different things. It can't just be vanilla cover Two, And I thought that's what we, we played most of that game. And I really don't understand why.
1: Yeah. I feel like Iberflus defensive performances is like walking through a museum where you have mosaics right next to people just throwing a can of paint on a canvas. You ever see that like in a museum where you have some pieces of art that just look like absolute crap and then you have other ones that are masterpieces. I feel like that's what we've seen out of Iberflus over the last few seasons. He has some absolute masterpieces and some absolute pieces of crap and of course, you're going to have your in betweens as well, but it just seems like there's too many on opposite ends of the spectrum. And I'm not complaining about the masterpieces. I would love to see more games like the Cowboy game in 2018, more games like the Redskin game in 2018, more games like the Chiefs game last year in 2019. Love to see that. Texans in the playoffs in 2018. But I said 2018 three times, Jason. I just said 2018 three times. That's two full seasons ago. And now you're in 2020. You have more talent. This is inexcusable. When you have more talent, you have Leonard now in year three. You have DeForest Buckner now. You have Kenny Moore in year three. There's no reason why this team defensively, and yes, it was just one week, but there's no reason why the game plan should ever take a step back. No reason. Well, the lack
0: lack of aggressiveness is what really bothers me because the the team – is so much better and it and you bear it bears this out when you watch the tape when we when we're aggressive when he mixes coverages when he brings blitzes when he's got kenny moore doing different things and people don't know what to expect we're so much better when we play that way you know the aggressiveness has to be there and i just felt like we were fought i mean I don't think it's even arguable. We were passive, soft, in every way. We were just not an aggressive defense yesterday, and that's not enough. That that I mean, clearly, we play like that. We're not going to win many games. The defense nice. has to play better, and the aggressiveness level and the physicality level has to be turned up about five-fold this Sunday, or we're not going to win that game either. So there is I expect, no question. I expect that we will see a fired-up defense this week, a much better performance from everybody. I don't think there's going to be many more games. I mean, I'm sure we'll have some other games that aren't great, but I definitely think you're going to see a different kind of Colts team this this coming Sunday.
1: I think so too. I hope so. I mean, you couldn't really look much worse, but you're going to play a playoff team next week. And again, shout out to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Doug Marone had those guys ready to play. They made plays. They completed 19 of 20 passes. Gardner Minshew had a great game. He's killed us over the last two games and two years in week 17 and week one now. So they deserve all the credit in the world. But you're going up against a team coming off a loss in Minnesota. So you could say, oh, the Colts are going to come out pissed off, which we believe. But you're also going to have a Minnesota team come out pissed off too. So it's going to be a tough game next week. Home opener in front of 2,500 fans. Let's give those 2,500 fans and all those at home something to watch and something to root for in week two. So I can't see it being much worse. But if you play the same against that team, forget about it. It's going to be over. It's going to be over early. Yep. And then you're going to have to throw 46 plus times because you're going to be trailing by three scores. So then it's going to become we have to abandon the run game because there's not enough time on the clock to win this game any other way. So very disappointing. A lot of coaching woes on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively. Jason, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this up?
0: Yeah, really, my final thought is I, I try to keep a, you know, a, a, I would tell the fan base try not to panic too much. I know it's hard because it's, we lost to a team that's projected to probably win four games maybe five um and it's very frustrating and i see people you know on rivers and do you know wanting people fired and all that kind of stuff just let's see how they play this week let, let's see the next few games let, let, let's give this team a chance before we write them off yes the, losing to jacksonville was horrible i was as pissed as anyone um but let's you know let's slow down a little bit and see how this team develops and the last thing I would say is, man I, I and we started the show with this kind of want to end with this. I just hope Marlon Mack gets healthy and is able to earn the contract that he really deserves. I know it's an uphill battle for him, but if anyone deserves it, it's that kid. He's been so great for us, and he's a special kid, and even if it's not with us, I hope somebody gives him a chance and gives him a big contract uh, because that kind that kind of person and that type of player deserves it so I just want to wish the best to Marlon Mack. And even if it's not in a Colts uniform, I hope he comes back and and really
1: has a great finish to his career. Yeah, that was a devastating blow for Marlon Mack. Torn Achilles tendon. Colts career could very well be over after this. I would love to see him back next year and give him that opportunity on a one-year deal to work through this, to rehab it, to get back onto the field and to have a chance to get paid someday because the timing of this final year of your rookie contract coming off 1,000-yard year – a guy who shows up every day a guy who never complains a guy who does everything he's asked of but if he doesn't get the ball he doesn't say feed me the ball he's not a me 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 guy he's a team 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 guy when the Colts took a running back in the second round Frank Reich texted Marlon Mack to tell him we took Jonathan Taylor in the second round and Marlon Mack responded let's go let's win he's all about the team he's all about winning and to see him go down one week into a season where we still have high hopes and expectations for this team as bad as that first game was this is a team we expect to go out win next week and find a way to string a couple together here as we get into this early portion of the season and we'll be back tomorrow with the q a and we'll be back on thursday or friday with the minnesota vikings game preview right here on the for the Coach podcast